Act Two of Cleone, a Tragedy by Robert Dodsley. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Joshua Seeger in Chicago. Act Two, Scene One A Room in Sephroy's House, Glanville and Isabella. Glanville. Sure the dark hand of death ere this hath closed the prying eyes of Paulet, and secured our bold attempt from danger. But hast thou, free from suspicion, to Cleone's hand conveyed the letter, forged against myself, pressing her instant flight, and branding me with black designs against her life? Isabella. I have, pretending t'was received from hands unknown. But lurks no danger here. Will not this letter, discovered after death, thy guilt betray? Glanville. There am I guarded, too. The deed once done, a deep enormous cavern in the wood receives her body, and forever hides. But she perused, thou sayest, the letter? Well, how wrought it? Say, this moment will she fly? Success in this, and all shall be our own. Isabella. Silent she paused, and read it o'er and o'er. Then lifting up her eyes, Forgive him, heaven, was all she said. But soon her rising fear resolved on quick escape. Suspicion, too, that all her servants are by thee corrupted, prompts her to fly alone, save with her child, the young Sifroy, whom, clasping to her breast and bathing with a flood of tears, she means, safe from thy snares, to shelter with her father. Glanville, just as I hoped, Beneath the friendly gloom of Baden Wood, whose unfrequented shades they needs must pass to reach her father's house, I have contrived, and now ordain their fall. Kindly she plans her scheme, as though herself were my accomplice. Isabella. As we parted, tears gushed from her eyes. She closely pressed my hand, and hesitating cried, O oh, Isabella, if tis not now too late, Beware of Glanville. I scarce could hold from weeping. Glanville. Fool! Root out that weakness which unfits the aspiring soul for great designs. But hush! Who's here? Enter Ragozin. Glanville. Say, quickly, is our first work achieved? Ragozin. Successfully, with two bold ruffians whose assisting hands were hired to make the business sure, I traced his steps with care, and in the darksome path which leads beside the ruined abbey's wall, with furious onset suddenly attacked him. Instant he drew, and in my arm oblique fixed a slight wound, but my associates soon performed their office, and betwixt them born I left him to an hasty burial, where you first directed, Glanville. We are then secure from his detection, and may now advance with greater safety. Oh, my Ragozin, but one step more remains, to plant our feet on this Sephroy's possessions, and methinks kind opportunity now points the path which leads us to our wish. Ragozin, propose the means. Glanville. This hour, Cleone, with her infant boy, borrowing faint courage from the moon's pale beam, prepares to seek the mansion of her father. Thou knowest the neighboring wood through which they pass. Ragozin. I know each path and every break. Glanville. There, hid in secret ambush, thou must intercept her journey. Ragozin. 
and direct her to the world unknown. Glanville, thou readst my meaning right. Go thou to hasten her departure, and to keep her fears awake. Isabella, already she believes her life depends upon her instant flight. Exit Isabella. Glanville, and haply ours. Each moment that she lives grows dangerous now, and should she reach her father, all may be lost. Let therefore no delay hang on thy footsteps. Terror wings her flight. Our danger calls at least for equal speed. Lugosin. Escape me not. I know the private path they needs must tread through Baden's lonesome wood, and death shall meet them in the dreary gloom. Glanville. Meantime, soon as she leaves her house, I raise from whispering tongues a probable report that she with Paulet seeks some foreign shore. This will confirm her guilt and shelter us from all suspicion. Rigozin. True. Both gone at once will give an air of truth so plausible. Glanville. Hark! Hush! Rigozin. Who is it? Glanville. Tis Cleone's voice. This way she comes. We must not now be seen. Fly to thy post and think on thy reward. Exeunt. Enter Cleone with her child. Cleone. No Paulet to be found. Misfortune sure prevents his friendship, and I dare not wait for his assistance. Friendless and alone I wander forth, heaven my soul guide, and truth my soul support. But come, my little love, thou wilt not leave me. Child. No, indeed I won't. I'll love you and go with you everywhere, if you will let me. Cleone. My sweet innocent, thou shalt go with me. I've no comfort left but thee. I had, I had a husband once, and thou a father. But we're now cast out from his protection, banished from his love. Child. Why won't he love us? Sure I've heard you say you loved him dearly. Cleone. Oh, my bursting heart, his innocence will kill me. So I do, my angel, and I hope you will love him too. Child. Yes, so I will, if he'll love you. And can't I make him love you? Cleon. Yes, my dear, for how could he withstand that sweet persuasive look of infant innocence? Child. Oh, then he shall. If ever I do see him, he shall love you. Cleon. My best, my only friend, and wilt thou plead thy poor wronged mother's cause? Enter Isabella. Isabella. Dear madam, haste! Why thus delay your flight when dangers rise around? Cleone. Indeed, my steps will linger, Isabella. Oh, tis hard! Alas, thou canst not tell how hard it is to leave a husband's house so dearly loved. Yet go I must. My life is here unsafe. Pardon, good heaven, the guilt of those who seek it. I fear not death, yet fain methinks would live to clear my truth to my unkind Sifroy. Isabella. Oh, doubt not, madam. He will find the truth and banish from his breast this strange suspicion. But haste, dear lady, wing your steps with haste, lest death should intercept. Cleone. And must I go? Adieu, dear mansion of my happiest years, adieu, sweet shades, each well-known bower, adieu, 
where I have hung whole days upon his words, and never thought the tender moments long. Oh, all my hopes of future peace, farewell, throws herself on her knees. But, O oh, great power, who, bending from thy throne, lookst down with pitying eyes on erring man, whom weakness blinds and passions lead astray, impute not to Sephroy this cruel wrong. O oh, heal his bosom, wounded by the darts of lying slander, and restore to him that peace which I must never more regain, rises. Come, my dear love, heaven will, I trust, protect and guide our wandering steps. Yet stay, who knows, perhaps my father too, if slander's voice hath reached his ear, may chide me from his door, or spurn me from his feet. My sickening heart dies in me at that thought, yet surely he will hear me speak. A parent, sure, will not reject his child unheard. Isabella. He surely will not. Whence these groundless fears? Cleone. Indeed I am to blame, to doubt his goodness. Farewell, my friend. And, oh, when thou shalt see my still-beloved Sephroy, say I forgive him. Say I but live to clear my truth to him, then hope to lay my sorrows in the grave, and that my wrongs, lest they should wound his peace, may be forgotten. Exit Cleone, with her child. Isabella. Gracious heaven, her grief strikes through my heart. Her truth, her innocence, are surely wronged. Oh, wherefore did I yield my virtue to this man? Unhappy hour, but tis too late, nor dare I now relent. Enter Glanville. Glanville. The gate is closed against her. Nevermore, if right I read her doom, to give her entrance. Thus far, my Isabella, our designs glide smoothly on. The hand of prudence is to me the hand of providence. Isabella. Alas, how blind, how impotent is human prudence! I wish and hope indeed that screened beneath the shades of night which hide these darker deeds we too may lie concealed. But, ah, my hopes are dashed with fear, lest heaven's all-piercing eye that marks our covert guilt should flash detection. Glanville, sternly, If thy vain fears betray us not, we're safe. Observe me well. Had I the least surmise that struck by conscience or by phantoms awed, thou now wouldst shrink and leave me or betray? By all the terrors that would shake my soul to perpetrate the deed, thou too shouldst fall. Isabella. And canst thou then suspect that after all I've done to prove my love I should betray thee? O Glanville, thou art yet, it seems, to learn that in her fears the weak a woman's love inspires her soul to dare beyond her sex. Glanville. Forgive me, Isabella. I suspect thee not. This raging fever in my brain distracts my reason. But no more. I know thee faithful, and will hence be calm. Isabella. Indeed, my heart has been so wholly thine, that even its springs are tempered to thy wish. Glanville. Think on my warmth no more. I was to blame. But come, my love, our chief, our earliest care, must be to give loud rumour instant voice, 
that both detected in their loose amour are fled together. Whisper thou the tale, first to the servants in whose listening ears suspicions are already sown, while I the unwelcome tidings to her sire convey. Exit Isabella one way, and as Glanville is going out the other, he meets a servant. Servant. My lady's brother, sir, young Beaufort, just arrived, inquires for you, or for his sister. Glanville. Attend him in. The letters of Siffroy have reached their hands. My story of her flight will, like a closing witness well prepared, confirm her guilt. Enter Beaufort, Jr. Beaufort, Jr. What strange suspicion, Glanville, has possessed the bosom of Siffroy? Whence had it birth, or on what ground could malice fix her stand to throw the darts of slander on a name so guarded as Cleone's? Glanville. I could wish, it gives me pain to speak, but I could wish the conduct of Cleone had not given so fair a mark. Beaufort, Jr. So fair a mark! What? Who? Cleone, sayest thou? Hath my sister given so fair a mark to slander? Have a care! The breath that blasts her fame may raise a storm not easily appeased. Glanville. It grieves me, sir, that you compel me to disclose what you in bitterness of soul must hear. But she and Prudence have of late been much estranged. Beaufort, Jr. Defame her not! Discretion crowns her brow, and in her modest eye sweet innocence smiles on detraction. Where, where is my sister? She shall confront thy words. Her look alone shall prove her truth and calumny confound. Glanville. You surely know not, sir, that she is fled. Beaufort, Jr. What sayest thou? Fled. Surprise chokes up my words. It cannot be. Fled. Whither? Gone. With whom? Glanville. With Paulet, sir, Siffroy's young friend. Beaufort, Jr. Impossible! I'm on the rack. Tell, I conjure thee, tell the whole mysterious tale. Where are they gone? Glanville. That they conceal. I only know that both, soon as they found their impious love disclosed, with instant speed withdrew, and tis supposed will seek for shelter on some foreign shore. Beaufort, Jr. Where then is truth, and where is virtue fled, erewhile her dear companions? How, my sister, how art thou fallen? Thy father too, O parricide! Hadst thou no pity on his bending age, on his fond heart, too feeble now to bear so rude a shock? Glanville, can it not be concealed? Beaufort, Jr., that hope were vain, himself impatient comes, from his loved daughter to inquire the cause of this opprobrious charge, and see, he's here. Enter Beaufort, Sr. Beaufort, Sr. Where is my daughter? Where my injured child? Oh, bring me to her. She hath yet a father, thanks to the gracious powers who spared my life for her protection, ready to receive with tender arms his child, though rudely cast from her rash husband's door. What mean these tears that trickle down thy cheek? She is not dead. Beaufort, Jr. Good heaven! What shall I say? No, sir, not dead. She is not dead. But, oh! Beaufort, Sr. But what? Wound not my heart. Where is she? Lead me to my child. 
"'Tis from herself alone that I will hear the story of her wrongs.' Beaufort, Jr. "'Alas, dear sir, she is not here.' Beaufort, Sr. "'Not here?' Beaufort, Jr. "'Oh, fortify your heart, my dearest father, to support, if possible, this unexpected stroke. My sister, sir,' Why must I speak her shame? My wretched sister, yielding to the lure of Paulet's arts, hath left her husband's house. Beaufort, Sr. Great power! Then have I lived, alas, too long? This is indeed too much. I cannot bear. But tis impossible. Does not thy heart, my son, bear testimony for thy sister against this calumny? What circumstance? To Glanville. What proof have we of my Cleone's guilt? Glanville. Is not their disappearing both at once a strong presumption of their mutual guilt? Beaufort, Sr. Presumption, sayest thou? Shall one doubtful fact arraign a life of innocence unblamed? Shall I give up the virtue of my child, my heart's sweet peace, the comfort of my age, on weak surmises? Sir, I must have proof, clear, unambiguous proof, not dark presumption. Glanville. Thus rudely urged, my honour bids me speak. What else I meant in tenderness to spare, know then I found the wanton youth concealed in her apartments. Beaufort, Sr. Thou dost then confess thyself my child's accuser? But thy word will not suffice. Far other evidence must force me to believe that truth long known and native modesty could thus at once desert their station in Cleone's breast. Glanville. Wait, then, for other evidence. With such as doubt my honour, I disdain all further conference. Exit Glanville. Beaufort, Jr. What can we think? His firm, undaunted boldness fills my breast with racking doubts that dread to be resolved. Yet this suspense is torture's keenest pang. Beaufort, Sr. We must not bear it. No, my son, lead on. We must be satisfied. Let us direct our steps to Paulet's habitation. There, it seems, we must inquire. And yet my soul strongly impels me to suspect this Glanville. For can Cleone, virtue's favourite ward, thus totally be changed? If thou art fallen, if thy weak steps by this bad world seduced have devious turned into the paths of shame, never, ah, never let me live to hear thy foul dishonour mentioned. If thou art traduced, and my fond heart still flatters me with hope, then, gracious heaven, spare yet my life, who spare a father to redress his child. End of Act Two Recording by Joshua Seeger in Chicago